Welcome to Straw Hat Social Club, your One Piece recap show, where sometimes we cover other anime on uh, Side Piece, which is what we're bringing you this week. Uh, I'm Todd, your anime expert, which is a made-up title that just means that I have more experience with anime from my childhood. And I'm joined by Becca, our baby weeb, who... <laughs> Just didn't watch as much anime growing up. I, I like Baby Weeb. Sure. It's funny. We're getting you caught up here. Yeah. Um, so how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'd be better if we had internet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to get to that. Um, not having the best time right now. I'm still recovering from my rib injury. And we also were hit by a really bad storm that took out our power for four days. We thankfully have our power back, but we don't have internet. So... <laughs> Yeah, Comcast. Yeah, so <laughs> as of this recording, uh, we weren't able to upload Arlong Park Part 2 yet. I'm praying that it's up by the time this episode's posted. <laughs> I, I don't... I, it would be a pretty big disaster otherwise. Is that a Comcast no, truck? I thought it was. It was Every time a truck, truck goes by, <laughs> just waiting to see the Comcast <laughs> logo on the side. But yeah, I mean, part of it, it was kind of our own fault. We fell behind with recording uh so we're kind of coming in hot with some of these episodes trying to rectify that i guess while we have the opportunity but this week we are going back to my roots <laughs> my 12 year old self watching stuff that was wildly inappropriate for that age but that's right this week we got ninja scroll which i'm uh, i'm pretty excited to talk about because this was something that was super formative um, when I was coming up, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of get into it cause there is a history here that really tracks for me, but this was definitely one that as a 12 year old, I know me and like all my friends, this is the one that we were just like, holy shit, <laughs> like, <it's laughs> fucking crazy. <laughs> um, going into this, did you know anything about this movie? No, only what you told me. And oh, yeah. you know, that's not really <laughs> blood and titties. That's yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I don't know how deep we'll go into some of the themes of it. Oh, sure. But, I mean, I will say first couple minutes in, I love, like, the art style is so cool and yeah. very stylized. And, I you know, I'll go into that more later. But, yeah. yeah, I knew nothing. Yeah, for me, I'll just say if we're talking, like, my first impressions versus impressions now, I will say, I guess this will tease where... We'll go with the episode. So when I was younger, like I said, this was just the most badass shit ever. I just thought it was so cool. I watched it so many times. And I can definitely say that's true for like all my friends too. This was kind of like the banger. Watching it now, I still liked it a lot. But it's it's one of those things. I didn't like it as much as I did when I was younger. But it's one of those things where sometimes... When you go back and you watch something that was like very influential, you can see like the roots of where a lot of stuff started, but it maybe doesn't keep up with like where things went, you know, because that's that's just natural. It's nothing against the movie, but when people are, are given the opportunity to like be inspired by something and apply their own style and imagination to make little changes, you can see how something can evolve to a point where it's just so much bigger and more nuanced over time if that makes sense it makes complete sense yeah so sometimes when you go back to the root it just doesn't 
hit as hard because we've seen like where this has gone down like this natural path you know so it's nothing against it i still thought it was great very nostalgic but yeah definitely didn't hit the same we'll say (laughs) okay yeah just to set it up this is something that was written and directed by yoshiaki kawajiri uh, it was released in Japan in 1993 and U.S. in 1995 through Manga Entertainment. And by May of 1996, it was Manga Entertainment's best-selling title. So it wasn't just me and my group of friends. This was like yeah, that's crazy. A huge hit, and uh, it it was one of the first movies that really increased the popularity of adult anime outside of Japan. Like it was kind of put in the same ballpark as like Akira and Ghost in the Shell, which those were like the early big adult animes that like really hit um, outside Japan. And I can definitely, I can remember this era because we've talked about this a bit in the past with like Mermaid Scar and even Vampire Hunter D, which (laughs) we never actually released. Uh, Hmm. One one day, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) We might have to go back to it. Yeah. But... You know, this was a time when anime was not what it is now, when it was much more of a niche thing that most people like just didn't get and there wasn't as much of a audience for it, so it wasn't being brought over the way it is now. But Ninja Scroll was one of the big ones that like really took off over here. And in fact, what I found out, which I didn't even realize, is that this was actually a much bigger success in the United States than in Japan. Like Japan, it was it was not a huge success, hmm. which was interesting. And in fact, there's been a sequel that has been in pre-production like forever. It's still apparently in pre-production, but it, it never got off the ground because it wasn't successful in Japan to begin with. So it's just, it's interesting seeing that difference in the two countries, you know. So, I mean... Was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we get into the episode? No, I think I'm ready to go right into it. Okie dokie. Well, <laughs> as a reminder for Side Piece, we break it down into art and animation, followed by the story, and then we'll give our overall thoughts. So, why don't we get right into the art? So as far as the art and animation goes, is there anything you wanted to kick us off on? Uh, a lot. Okay. I think so. Why don't you yeah. get started? Okay. So first thing I noticed when we started watching this was the play of light and dark and negative space. Yeah. I think it's really well done. And the way that he uses negative space to tell the story is like grabbed me immediately. Um, it's it's not really something I've seen in a lot of animes. This yeah. seems like a, like an intentional choice. Um, I can post examples of what I mean by that if maybe some people aren't grasping what I'm saying. Yeah, are you talking about like the quote unquote like shot composition? Yes, exactly. Whatever you want to call that for artwork. Yeah, but moving on from there, uh, if we go into character design. Yeah. Very different from what you normally see. And as we were watching, by seeing the character design, I know that 
the friend that I bring up a lot, I know she was in, she had to be influenced by this. Yeah. Her, her manga characters that she would draw looked a lot like this. They have like long faces, like prominent noses, wide, thin eyes, uh, wide, thin lips. And I thought that that was a really interesting way to go about anime. Uh, just because usually it's like big, bright, bubbly eyes, smaller features, so I, I was impressed to see, like, a new kind of style. Yeah, this was a pretty predominant style back then. It feels like an evolution of, like, what was in Vampire Hunter D. Like, it's that same kind of style. Oh, definitely. I could definitely see a lot of similarities between the two. And I think it used the same artist, in fact, for the Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust sequel, which I only saw once, like, a very long time ago, but I... I feel like the pedigree like checks out there and it's funny because with my friends you know like I said before we were more inspired by like Rumiko Takahashi like the Ramo and Half and Mermaid Scar artist for whatever reason that was just more of the style that we were into and I think for me like the Sailor Moon influence is strong so mm-hmm. I actually have more of a like shoujo style to the art that I was doing yeah I don't know why I didn't really imitate this kind of style like i just gravitated more toward the Mm. other stuff yeah and and back to the vampire hunter d i want to bring up uh the differences in the blood yeah how it was drawn Uh, i don't know if a lot of people care about this but like it just got my brain thinking like i want to chart out the different ways blood is drawn Mm. in different animes that would be interesting yeah because like Vampire Hunter D has more of a, like, angular, linear, kind of sharp blood. It was, like, really stringy, like, lines. And then this was more, like, circular, goopy, drippy, like, kind of blood. It still had a good number of, like, blood streams. Oh, oh, yeah. conversation, but yeah. Well, yeah, it is a odd... I mean, we're talking about the specifics of ways to draw blood, but I find it so interesting. I mean, I think it's just interesting because we've we've joked a lot about how this era, it feels like they were pushing to be more shocking, and I think especially the stuff that hit in the United States, like, it was kind of riding that wave. Um, But it is interesting to think about how... Titles like this, they were so violent. Like, mm-hmm. the blood and everything is so over the top. And, you know, there's obviously some anime nowadays that still does that, but it's not, like, the mainstream stuff. Like, I'd be kind of hard-pressed to think about, like, current titles that push violence this way, you know? I would say Chainsaw Man yeah. is another really good even one. even it feels different. Like, it, I don't even does, know how to put it in the words. Yeah, it does feel different. But if if I were to throw another anime into that blood category, yeah. Chainsaw Man would really fit in, too. Maybe it's because it's more stylized. I don't it know. It is. Yeah, he has a very distinct style. I did want to point out, though, on that note, that I do remember at that age feeling like the extreme violence, and, and especially, like, there's a lot of dismemberment and stuff like that. <laughs> I guess it was that age where that stuff was like so shocking, but in like an exciting mm-hmm. kind of way. Whereas watching it now, it just was like nothing. <laughs> it just didn't really feel like anything. Well, I think that has a lot to do with desensitization. Well, of course. Like, I mean, I, you know, we talked about like the kind of horror movies we were watching when we were younger. Uh, you know, I, I would say I am a little bit more repulsed to gore than I was. I had a higher tolerance 
Yeah. For it then, I think now, just with a lot of personal stuff going on, like, I just can't do a lot of gore right now. I feel like it's funny because it's the opposite. I mean, that's yeah. not funny. You know what I mean? Well, but no. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's it feels like it's the opposite for me because I'm definitely coming into it remembering how it affected me back then. And it was, like, very shocking. But I was, I think we've talked about this, part of why I got into and everything at that age was it just felt really exciting like I didn't feel like I was being traumatized <laughs> or anything it was just like this it was almost like a adrenaline rush like just very exciting so I wanted to see more of it and this like it's part of what got me in the anime to begin with because it it had that same feel where stuff like Ninja Scroll was shocking and exciting and different and felt like almost taboo and I just wanted to chase that and Ninja Scroll was one of the first ones that really, like, put that disease in me, you know, from that age. For better or worse, I guess. (laughs) But also, you mentioned the character designs. I wanted to point out the designs for, like, all the ninja demons. Oh, my gosh. It's it's cool because they're they're distinct. Like, they they feel like they're they're pulled from, like, this fantasy history. Like, it feels very steeped in, like, um, Japanese culture and Mm -hmm. folklore. And everything, and you can see a lot of... Yeah, I, I see where you're going with that. It feels like a lot of, like, archetypes that exist in Japanese art, but they're, like, cool and inventive. It reminded me, again, of, like, Vampire Hunter D, like, all the weird vampire creatures in that, where they have a kind of theme where it's, like, one is, like, this is the bee guy. This is the blind guy. Like, even in my notes, like, that's kind of... There's, like, a one-word thing that <laughs> sums up each of the demons, but they're all really cool. No, I'm I'm glad you you brought up the demons because I was super inspired by the character design of each of those. I think it'll probably more so in the story. I don't want to like get into it too much here. Yeah. But I I was really impressed by that. I I will say just to touch on the way the artist used halftone pattern over the this one like like shadow demon oh yeah yeah like i i thought that was really cool a distinct way of showing that power thought that was a really neat way to do that yeah and it's also worth pointing out when i was doing a little research apparently it said that each frame of the animation was done by hand with no frames copied or reused i don't know if that's a hundred percent true after watching it um but it did feel like 99% of the time that was true. And it's it's interesting that we'll talk more about this, obviously, in the story, but it feels very much like it goes from like fight to fight and there's like just little pieces in between. And the fights themselves, there's a lot of them over the course of the movie, but they're, they tend to be very brief and very quick, but they're like super well animated with lots of frames of animation, lots of detail. Um, like very high quality, but they're like sparser than what I remember. And I think that's another, going back to what I was saying about the evolution of this stuff, I think maybe expectations are just different nowadays where there's definitely a lot of shonen stuff, been more focused on like long drawn out fights with like lots of interesting ups and downs and twists and turns. And this was coming from a very different era where it was more about like, these really quick back and forth encounters that are super, super well animated still looks really cool. It just, it's interesting to point out the difference because it's different than what I remember. Cause I haven't seen this since I was very young, probably since like high school, 
probably the last time I saw it. But I don't know if uh, there was anything else you wanted to talk about before we dive into the story. I think uh, some of the other things that I want to touch on are probably more story-based than art-based, even though they still tie a little bit into art. So I think at this point, I'm good. All right. Well, then, why don't we get right into the story? So, the story in Ninja Scroll, it feels, uh, to me, it feels very old school. Like we kind of mentioned in the art, it feels like very steeped in folklore and mythology. I know that the director was like inspired by this series of novels. I didn't really look into them, but apparently they're very historical, like very dense in that in that sense. And apparently when he was making this, he felt like he wanted to be more focused on action. He wanted to be much lighter. So it was like a conscious decision to have, you know, these fights with like these brief bits of exposition in between to tell the story. You know, I called it old school. I think that's like good and bad because <laughs> it's it's good because it definitely has this like this vibe to it that, like I said, it, it feels like it's really steeped in that that folklore and everything. It's bad because there's definitely stuff in here that didn't age super well, mm. which uh, I guess we'll we'll touch on eventually. It's a bit controversial because of that. I, I actually am really excited to have that discussion because yeah. I think at, on one side where it's very controversial, it's also, I don't know. I don't, I will get into it. Sure. But overall, the story, it follows someone named Jubei. He's our main dude. He seems to be like a ronin during the Edo period who is kind of just wandering around, you know, taking odd jobs and stuff. We don't get a ton of build up for his characters he's, he's kind of deliberately very mysterious in the beginning but we get the sense that while he goes around like yojimbo style getting money from people he he kind of has like this heart of gold where he's trying not to like rip people off or fleece them he's really just trying to help and just get by you know because we get that very brief scene in the beginning where like these three thugs confront him and they're mad because he like took this really small payment from like this little village. He's like, "Hey, you you took the money from us. Do you remember this uh, this whole exchange?" Oh yeah. Okay. And they're just they're mad because they feel like he asked for too little, and they could have gotten more from it. And he's just like, "Well, it's just a poor village." Am, am I right in thinking in that scene he like blows a, that old man's clothes off? Like he, <laughs> he fucking hits him I saw so hard. That. Well, it was, <laughs> That was weird. That that sets up a lot of the weird designs because there's a dude he's fighting who like shoots a gun out of the palm of his hand mm-hmm. and he hits him so hard that you're revealed he had like this mechanical body made out of like wood and it's like this little midget guy in there. It's like <laughs> so random, but it's like just a cool design that shows like some of the, the imagination that goes into this, uh, like all the art direction, everything in this story. Mm-hmm. The way we get brought into the main story is we find out that this small village nearby was ravaged by a plague and this clan called the Mochizuki clan they go over to um, investigate and discover what are called the eight devils of Kimon I think 
it's a lot of the exposition in this feels like <laughs> it's just thrown at you in, in a very matter-of-fact way where you're just kind of like okay the eight devils whatever <laughs> um but it leads to them sending all these ninjas in to investigate figure out what's going on we get this cool fight with uh one of these devils it's like a rock man with this giant like two-bladed weapon that he just hurls at people and it splits them in half and shit but one of the ninjas is named Kagero, which <laughs> I'm pretty sure Kage just means ninja in Japanese. So Kagero, I don't know if that's like lady ninja, like very, like very on the nose. Yeah, I I did notice they kept calling her like ninja lady or ninja girl a yeah. lot. And I was like, what is, does she have a name? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I know that like these are called you have to forgive me for pronunciation i'm trying my best here but i think it's called uh kunoichis which are like these specifically like female ninja mm -hmm. not to spoil anything this might pop up in one piece at some point <laughs> okay um that's like her title i guess or whatever mm -hmm. but basically this leads to probably the most controversial scene in ninja scroll is when this rock guy like kills all of them, winds up kidnapping this lady, and then we have a like attempted essay scene. I, I would say it was full on essay. It's not well, really yeah, attempted. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, we don't need to go in detail there. But it's it's definitely like I remember even as a kid being like, whoa, like <laughs> this is kind of fucked up. And <laughs> now it just feels like, yeah, definitely very unnecessary and very gross. Yeah, yeah um, I will say a lot of that was not necessary. I'm usually, yeah. I, I am one that I don't want to see any of it. Yeah. Uh, I just openly, I'm a survivor of, of essay. So it's hard seeing scenes like this, like in anything. Yeah, I tried to research this beforehand because my memory wasn't 100% and I tried to fill you in and... Make sure you were prepared. <clears throat> uh, you could have described everything. I was not prepared for <laughs> what I, <laughs> I saw. Mean, yeah, it still shocked me. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Maybe we didn't need all that. Um, but it does It does factor into the story. It, it really does. And that's the only reason I feel like, okay, yeah, it was graphic and everything. But they handle the story with a lot of grace. Sure. but um, Sort of. <laughs> but Jubei... He kind of just pops up here. I, he, he was like in the room randomly. I don't know how he wound up there. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. I don't know. He but just, like, uh, up. Yeah. But it turns into a fight between them. And this is where we start to see that our boy Jubei is like a really exceptional swordsman. I mean, this is like a very tight movie. So we don't get a ton of backstory and stuff. We get a little bit later on. But he just seems to be this really good swordsman, and his, like, trick is he has this, like, unbreakable fishing line attached to his sword so that he can, like, pull it back to him anytime, which is I cool. I thought that was cool. It is. It's pretty cool. cool. I, I do think it's a cool thing, because you would expect there to be more of, like, a gimmick to the main character, and that's it. It's just this fishing <laughs> line attached to his sword. And other than that, he's just like a badass Ronin, um, which works. But it's it's also, it's a cool fight because it shows that even though he's super skilled, you see moments where he's like kind of back on his heels and you can see that he's like, he's not just like stoic, like you see a lot of times in this kind of anime. Like you definitely see moments where he's afraid, where he's worried, where he's like really pushing it and getting his ass kicked. Um, 
and especially with this bad guy who's made out of stone, he like can't pierce him. Although he does, he, he gets him in the eye, yeah. which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, then we get that reveal though that the the rocks start like crumbling from him, and that's how we get the exposition that our ninja lady, she is like covered in poison like in her body or something yeah she like describes it as she's like seeped in poison yeah so the poison got into him and it starts to make his his stony exterior start crumbling away makes him vulnerable so he's able to get defeated very violently which is kind of the norm in ninja scroll but this is also when we get introduced to this character named uh dakuan dakuan something like that who Again, the exposition is so like brief. Even even rewatching it now, where I was really trying to track it, I missed a lot of little details. Apparently, he's a spy from the Tokugawa Empire, which is like the ruling empire of Japan during this period. So I guess he was sent to investigate like what was going on. And his character is pretty cool because he is portrayed as he's like this little old man. Who seems very feeble, but he has like all these weird like ninja magic powers. Like he could turn into like a tree and stuff like that. <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah, he, I, I love that. He even had like a little gum gum moment where he stretches <laughs> his arm out. I thought those things are are very cool, especially when yeah. there's not a lot of like explanation. You know, it makes it feel like very fantastical. Yeah, that was definitely a very standout like character design. Yeah, but he's also like. I like his character because he's a very like gray character where he's not totally good. He's not totally bad. <clears throat> like he has these weird moments where he seems kind of evil, but you get the sense. I mean, he's like he's a government agent, you know, he's doing <laughs> what he considers to be what's necessary for preserving the, the current government, which, you know, for good and bad. Mm hmm. So when he when he recruits Jubei, the way he does it is he like throws a ninja star into his arm and reveals like, oh, I got you with some poison. And if you want the antidote, you're going to have no choice but to work with me. So definitely like very sketchy, but it does give us some stakes why the character. And it's funny because eventually through the story, we find out like the main character is involved in this, but that's the way we kind of get him into the conflict and make him feel like he has to be involved before we get like the big reveals later. I think it's an interesting way to point out the storyline and like to to direct it. I think mm -hmm. I think it's necessary and creative. Yeah. And we do get we get a little bit of exposition around here where we find out that Jubei worked for the Yamashiro clan. Um and they basically were mining gold from like this secret mine and eventually they were given orders to kill each other in order to preserve this secret and this is when we get something that's actually it's kind of a trope at this point but it's the idea that when he got because he was serving this lord and when he got swept up in this he had to kill his fellow like friends in order to um save himself and he was so angry by this, the way, the way that they were all being treated, that he went after their lord named Gemma and cut his head off, like, in revenge. Which, I don't know how familiar you are, because I can point to a lot of examples of different movies and series that have this kind of trope of, like, someone serving under a lord who does some sketchy shit, so then they get revenge on the lord, 
But then that scene is like, oh, the worst thing you can do. Like you're supposed to lay down your life for your Lord. You know what I mean? So they wind up like on the run. There's so much stuff. I mean, like Blade of the Immortal has that. Um, I think Samurai Champloo has that. There's a lot of other similar examples, which is, it's funny that that's a trope, but I guess that's a sign of like, I'm sure in, in Japan, this is something that's like, since it's so much more ingrained in their history, maybe that's like, I don't know if that's something that historically would happen or if it was just like an interesting way to include this kind of conflict. Yeah. So like most of it, like I said, it's just fighting one devil after another with these bits of exposition. So I think the next one we get is the snake devil, which <laughs> definitely got to talk about because she's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. the I was so inspired by her character design, so much so that I went and drew an OC inspired by it because yeah. I was just, it's so cool. With a big booty. Yeah. Well, I gave her a bigger <laughs> yeah, booty. <laughs> we don't have to get into that. Well, yeah. It's like sexy snake lady with uh, like she's snake like tattoos. snake tattoos all over her body that become like real. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of cool little stuff which goes into the mythology. Like the first time he tries to attack her, she her skin gets all sunken <laughs> and it's revealed like, oh, she shed her skin and escaped. Yeah. It's like just a cool snake thing, you know? And uh, there's also the part when like he finds some old lady in a temple and finds that she's just like full of snakes. It's yeah. just like the snake puppet or something. Well, I want to talk more about the scene in the hot springs. Oh, yeah. Because... First of all, so much happens in those hot springs between the snake lady and then the old man. Yeah, I think that's when he poisons him. Yeah. I, when I saw that old man in the hot springs with him, all I could think about was that scene in New Girl with Nick and Tran. <laughs> when, okay. Like, you know, like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, post, yeah. I'll post it on the socials. But, like, I couldn't stop laughing because that's all I could think of. Yeah, that is another, like, funny trope that, like, he gets hurt and then he's like, oh, I better go sit in the hot spring in the heel. Mm -hmm. And he's like, good to go after that. After getting like his shit <laughs> rocked by that big demon. It's like we, we said before, a lot of the fights, they're very cool, very well animated, but they're really quick. And like the snake devil, I feel like the big standout thing is her little secret snake. <laughs> her, oh, we're, now we're calling it a secret snake. <laughs> well, I didn't want to just like launch pussy snake into the podcast right away, but... <laughs> But yeah, the little secret pussy snake that comes out between her legs. That's so awesome. <laughs> I'm saying like, I bet all women wish they had a, yes. a snake like that, a little oh, vagina snake. Definitely. <laughs> um, but I think I think she actually, doesn't she use that on uh, Kagero? Because Kagero's whole thing in the story seems to be that like, she feels like she owes Jubei her life, mm -hmm. you know? So she keeps trying to like, pay him back and help him so she winds up in this fight and she gets bit by the the vagina snake <laughs> and which also leads to another funny thing where she's like kind of hanging out looking for something and she looks down and just sees jubei's mouth like coming toward her leg remember because he's trying to like suck the poison out <laughs> it was like so awkward <laughs> but that's when we get the reveal about her having poison inside her so she's like immune to it but i just thought that was silly like he didn't even say anything no <laughs> he's just like ready well, to go i think like i i don't even i'm not even mad about it because i mean that's what you're supposed to do yeah, yeah. like you're supposed it just to funny. It, it's just funny yeah. but then yeah after that we do get the uh the bee devil 
another one of them, which was another cool one, which in Vampire Hunter D, there was a character like just like this. Mm-hmm. You remember? He's just like some weird looking old guy with a spear. And when uh, his like shirt comes off, you see his back is just a giant It's beehive. so disgusting. Yeah, it's super gross. <laughs> it's so gross. If you have like, I think it's called tryptophobia. Oh, yeah, like, like holes. Yeah, yeah. like, ill. it's gross. <laughs> it's pretty gross. Um, and yeah, the way that that fight ends is pretty cool, too, because they wind up in the water. And you would think maybe this bee guy would, like, be familiar with the idea that, like, hey, maybe I shouldn't go in the water with a giant beehive <laughs> on my back because they just immediately start stinging the shit out of him and kill him, basically. Um, but that was cool. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah a lot of it is like these one-on-one fights where the other devils are just kind of watching they're just like all right yeah we gotta take these guys out <laughs> yeah why don't we let's see if we can name all eight real quick before we get to it because we have we you mean you, <laughs> you can help me out. i don't know if gemma is considered one of them or not why don't we keep him out for now because well he seems like the leader yeah almost. but he might be included yeah. i don't know but we have uh we have the snake lady. Yeah. We got the bee guy. Mm-hmm. We got the explosive lady who just throws gunpowder everywhere. Right, right. And makes like explosive puppets. Mm-hmm. We have the blind guy. Yep. He's just like Zatoichi. I don't know if you know what that is. Nope. He's like this blind samurai who's in a lot of fiction. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> we got the shadow devil guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's cool. We have... That's only five. Who are we missing? Oh, the rock guy. That's right. six. Yeah, that guy sucks. Yeah, he sucks. Um. Oh, we got the guy with the, the strings that you mentioned. Yes, yes. He's got like... He's bisexual. He's the bisexual guy <laughs> who has this like fishing line that they can talk through by putting it in their mouth, yeah. which is pretty cool. I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But he also is able to like electrocute people with it. Mm-hmm. And then I guess there's Gamma. That has to be eight because I can't think of anybody else. Yeah. That, that is like a recurring thing we should mention because he doesn't factor into the story in, in big ways, but he, the yeah, bisexual like, guy. Oh, I'll just say the bisexual demon uh, seems to be in love with Gamma and is like he's built up as being like his, his right hand man or something, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really do a lot and he kind of just dies very quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> well, he's. Also, the gunpowder lady was, like, in love with him or Yeah, something. it seems like they might be, like, fighting over the number two spot. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, after the B-Devil, we get that moment with uh, the the um, explosive trap up on the cliff, which is pretty cool, where it's one of Kagero's, uh, the people, I don't know what their relationship was, if they were just, like, really good friends or something. They, like, seem to serve together. And he shows up on this cliff, so she goes after him because she can't believe he's alive. And you see he's like this puppet that's like all sewed up. And it was like a trap. You remember this? Mm-hmm. And he explodes and like sends him off the cliff. I thought that was pretty creepy. Pretty cool. And that's what leads us to the fight with the blind devil, which is like also I feel um, it's like. I feel like it's a pretty climactic scene. I thought it was pretty climactic. Oh, yeah. But I'm, I can't think of the word. It's like. Uh, it's 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 something that I've seen a lot. Like it's a sword fight in like a bamboo grove mm-hmm. where he's blind, and so Jubei is like trying to use that to his advantage, and quickly realizing like 
I mean, it's a typical tropey thing. It's the blind samurai who's able to sense everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. But I did think the way the fight ends is something I didn't really remember. And I think it's like a really cool imaginative way to counter something like this. Because remember, Kagero tries to help. She like slashes at him and her her little short sword gets stuck in the bamboo. And then at, at a certain point, this blind devil goes after Jubei and tries to slash down and you see like his sword gets blocked. And then immediately Jubei stabs him in the stomach and he like, he's surprised. Mm-hmm. It's because he used that uh, short sword that was stuck in the bamboo to block the blade, which is pretty clever. Because mm-hmm. like, of course, how would he be able to sense that was there? Right. So it's 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 quick. I think that's like the first introduction of that devil and the fight's like very quick and then he's gone. But I thought that was still it was pretty cool. Yeah, the way it's animated is just really really beautiful too with how they're running through the bamboo and everything. Yeah. And after that that's when we get the last bit of like big story exposition. It's when it's revealed and again, I, I should point out, it's so funny going through the story because it's just kind of like, yeah, this fight was cool. <laughs> anyway, there's yeah. also the story. It's just the way it's structured. And I can even remember as a kid, like, as many times as I saw it, it wasn't until now, like, looking it up on Wikipedia that I was like, oh, yeah, that's what the story is. Like, I never <laughs> really paid attention or really followed what was You're happening. You were just looking at titties and fighting. Hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the whole story is that, you know, they were, like I said, the... Uh, the Yamashiro clan was mining all this gold. Um, they were intending to use it to pay the Shogun of the Dark for their protection. And the Shogun of the Dark were planning to buy weapons and stuff with it and overthrow the Japanese government. Um, and what happened was the ship that had the gold went aground at this village. So they faked this plague in order to keep people away from it so that they could, like, get the gold back onto another ship and uh which is so fucked up (laughs) yeah so fucked up pretty fucked up but it's it's clever because they do point out how there's like a a sick horse that's like dead by all the gold and they are like oh i guess that was enough to like scare everybody off even though we do find out they like poisoned the water supply to kill everybody yeah it's really sick I mean, listen, they're called, like, <laughs> the eight devils of Kimon. Yeah, like, I know. What do you expect? But that leads us into the the whole finale, where they they find where the gold is. They uncover this whole plan. Um, this is when they fight with the uh, shadow devil, who gets, like, hinted at a couple times. as like, a very brief scene here, which I thought was funny, because, uh, well, why don't we just first talk about, yeah, very cool design. Yeah, no, yes. the way they show his powers it through negative space is really cool. He has that little Hellraiser power. Yeah. You're like, shoot the chain out of the shadow, which is super cool. Yeah, it's like a chain with like a hand on the end, like this <laughs> mechanical hand that can grab you. But I, I thought it was funny that he pops up and he like, I guess he uses his shadow powers to like duplicate himself. Mm-hmm. And he's like hopping around them. It's all like, ooh. And then <laughs> Jubei just slashes that and cuts his leg off like instantly. <laughs> and you see him like hopping away. <laughs> like okay that didn't really work out for yeah me. this is definitely a scene where i mean they they definitely reused anim, um animation cells oh really yeah like i remember you starting this off with like this whole thing is hand drawn which it, it is it yeah. and i will say the 99 percent it is completely hand drawn they don't really you reuse shots but like this one was like okay like you of course 
Oh, really? Yeah, I could just I didn't tell. notice this. There was one I noticed from later, which okay. we'll get to, but that's interesting. Which is okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it totally looks fine. great. It, it looks, still looks really Yeah, it was great. a great way to show the power. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is definitely like that era of animation I kind of miss. Because, I mean, we're, we're I feel like we went over a hump where, like, we were starting to see a lot more, excuse me, we were seeing a lot more, like, computers being used, a lot of like 3D animation getting implemented. And in the early stages, that stuff just looked bad. And we were like, really, it felt like we were losing something. I think we're coming out the other end where we're seeing those tools used in ways to like um, better everything oh, yeah. and elevate, you know, what I we're think, seeing. Yeah, that goes along it with- It took a while. Yeah, it, it goes along with a lot of new tools that are integrated. Like using them 100% isn't super great, but when you mix them together, yeah. you get really cool results. And it just, it had to get refined yeah. a lot to reach this point. There is still something about that hand-drawn quality, you know, because we also, we watched Battle Angel, which we thought about doing an episode on, but it's more of like an OVA. It's like two 30-minute OVAs. I don't know. Maybe we'll revisit it at some point. But that also had like great hand-drawn animation like this. It, the, the style feels very similar. You were talking about Akira too, which yeah. that one, yeah. like that's really beautifully. We will like, definitely, yeah. we'll have to cover that on yeah. here because there's no way not to. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, Akira and Ghost of the Shell, uh, I think we should cover both of them because those were huge. Those are ones that I got like, like Ghost in the Shell was released in America during the period where like I was an active anime fan and like you know keeping track of all this stuff so I was like look seeing it in the magazines like oh my god I can't wait to see this and then watching it when it came out and everything we'll get to all that when we cover that because that's going to be important yeah and, and I should also say I guess part of why we haven't covered those because I feel like those are much more well known mm -hmm. and uh Ninja Scroll as popular as it is I don't know if that popularity has persisted the way it did for like a cure and ghost in the shell so yeah. this is a little more niche it feels like yeah that's fair. at this point i mean you didn't even know what it was right what ninja scroll yeah yeah i had no idea i never yeah. heard of it in my life but yeah the uh the, the shadow devil what is funny about him is it it i guess this was another problematic part we don't need to hold on to because remember when he when he fights the shadow devil it's it's kagero who's fighting him like she's being manipulated and I guess the way they show uh, that he like is manipulating her, he inserts his fingers. Oh, I forgot and about this. It, it felt very gratuitous. It was so disgusting. Yeah. Weird as hell. Like, okay, whatever. And there was even sound effect too, which yeah, is like so much. unnecessary. But I guess that somehow allows him to control her like a puppet. But he gets taken out so easily. Like between like him getting his leg cut off instantly and then he like uh, uses that claw on the chain to grab his sword. So he's just like, all right, and just throws the sword at him and stabs him in the shadow. And that's it. Like these guys are kind of scrubs. <laughs> it feels like like they're really cool and like uh, yeah. very flashy, but it doesn't take a whole lot to dispatch him most of the time. <laughs> but then leading into the like big climax, we see that uh, the... Mochizuki clan finally shows up with like reinforcements to try and stop all this and we get the reveal that Gemma is actually in disguise as the head of this clan and has been manipulating him this whole time and sure enough like we get 
a lot of those moments where I think I think it's like Jubei is hearing the name Gemma as being like the one behind all this, and he's like, can't be him because that's the guy that he killed. And now we get the reveal: yes, it's him. He's alive. He has a nasty scar on his neck, but he seems to be like immortal, so he can just regenerate anything. But he uses that that disguise to betray Kagero and stabs her, and this kind of sets off Jubei. So he just goes ham on all these ninjas just like slicing the shit out of them. We also get that scene during Kagero's final moments where <laughs> she's kind of like, you have to take me because oh, right. we get the reveal that, you know, her poison will somehow neutralize the poison that's in Jubei yeah. if they have sex. Yes, of but course. the funny thing about it is they wind up, they kiss and that's enough to heal it. And it's like, well, hold on. Like, <laughs> If we could have done that this whole time, like, why, why was all this necessary? You I know? don't know. Because, I mean, naked <clears throat> women, that's all. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Well, I need to know exactly what Kagero says to Jubei, because that made me cry. Oh. Right. Which which part? When she's, like, literally, like, dying. And she she says something along the lines of, like, you were the first man to, like, ever treat me. Almost, like uh, like a human almost. There there is something to the idea that she can't really get close or intimate with anyone because of this poison in her, and it's clear, you know, it might be kind of tropey, but she falls in love with the protagonist over the course mm-hmm. of this, and then the idea that she can be intimate with him and save his life instead of poisoning him. Yeah, there's definitely something there to that. I think it'd be silly to say that SA isn't a huge theme in this film because yeah. it really is. Like it's yeah. it's kind of like an underlying backstory to the whole film. And I feel like the way Kagero is portrayed as like, first of all, I wish I had poison in my body because yeah. <laughs> I just I I feel like when you're a survivor of something like that, even just witnessing things like that in the world, uh. You know, as someone who's vulnerable to things like that, I don't I don't want to say just women. It, it could be anybody. Yeah. But you 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 wish that you had some sort of like defense like that, yeah. uh, whether it be poison in your body or a pussy snake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wish that you had defenses against something like that. And I feel they handled this pretty well for the time. That it was, and I think it sends a a good message in the end anyway. Yeah. Especially when Gagaro kisses Jubei. I'll I'll say this. I don't know if I'd give him a lot of credit, because I feel like a lot of the stuff was gratuitous deliberately. I don't know if they were, like, being as thoughtful about that thematically. But I think, you know, a 2023 read on this, um, even though it's being kind of generous... I think there's definitely something to that, that that idea that, you know, she is used to using her body in her line of work, even though it's like being used to hurt people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, hurting people who deserve it. Well, yes, of course. But still, imagine the life like that where you can't really get close or intimate to anyone, that you're only using your body to hurt others. I mean, that really, I mean, besides the poison in the body, it... It's really a, a trauma response. Yeah. Like, it's it's doing a ploy on a trauma response. Of course. Which I really resonated with. I mean, I think 
the way I don't want to give them so much credit, but also just how the story is wrapped up. It's like, okay, that was, it was a little bit much, but I just really, I, I really get what it's like to finally meet somebody who learns to respect you as a human and not just like some object. Yeah. Like, and here you're able to be vulnerable with like that and without just hurting each other. Right. Um, I think there's, there's a very valid, I, I believe in the idea that the way you read the meaning of a work, it changes over time and it's mm-hmm. not just stuck with whatever the creator's intent was. So I think like there is a very valid read on all that stuff. It would probably be interesting to like do a deep dive on that. This is really the place for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just how art works, you know, like everybody views it from their lens. Yeah. I just think there are a lot of people who get really stuck on like what was intended, you know? And I think, I, I mean, I think this is a pretty common understanding with artists is Yeah, once you put something out, it's kind of out of your hands and people are going to interpret it however they want. And that's valid. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's definitely the case here. Yes. Because I I think at the time it was probably just like, here's titties. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just like more gratuitous stuff. And I don't know if they were being as thoughtful. Maybe I'm being like, I'm not being generous enough. Maybe they were being more thoughtful, but it doesn't feel like it. I don't know. I I feel like it goes both ways. I mean... The last scene really made me emotional because I just connected with that character so much. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. But yeah, after that scene, Jubei does get healed. There's, uh, and, and Kagero has to unfortunately sacrifice her life after being stabbed. But in the, the final climax, we get um, Jubei invades this ship that they brought in to take all the gold out. We get this other reveal that Gemma actually intended to betray the Shogun of the Dark, which is like just such a funny, because it just tells you everything. It's just like, yeah, these are the bad guys. But he actually betrays the Shogun of the Dark, intends to take the money himself and use it to overthrow the government. So you can see why Dakuan got involved in all this, because it seems like I guess the government was aware something was going on, you know, and they sent in their like CIA agent to fix it. But yeah, we get we get the final showdown. I guess it's worth just pointing out we ha- we mentioned the evil devil guy with the electric powers and the string. He actually almost kills Jubei, and then there's like a little rat that comes out that's packed with explosives mm-hmm. that blows up because there was that little r- rivalry between him and the other demon. How does she get killed? I don't even remember. Oh, didn't she get killed by the, the Dockwin guy? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I really don't remember. Maybe she just blows up with the ship. I think it's I, like off I screen. She, I think she like goes down with the explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then the big the big thing is when Jubei finally confronts Gemma. There's this big nasty fight. Um, Gemma is able to regenerate like even the most crazy mortal wounds. And he's, like, unarmed, but he has this big, like, armor on one arm that he uses to fight with his fists. That's that's the part I noticed that was reused. There's a part where he's just beating the shit out of Jubei, and you could tell they, like, reuse some of the animation mm-hmm. there. But, yeah, I think uh, Dakuin manages to get this, like, explosive devil to set off her explosives, which starts bringing the ship down. And the way that this immortal Gamma finally gets defeated is, like, all the gold 
gets melted in the fires and washes over him like Game of Thrones style. Yeah. And uh, so he just gets encased in the gold and sinks to the bottom That's of the ocean, I so guess. so cool. That's yeah. such a cool way to show a death or... I don't know if he died. He's just well, frozen it's, it's in the gold. Clever. It, it's really cool. It's a clever way to to battle that kind of uh, immortality, I guess. I also I wonder if he's still alive under the ocean. Yeah, I was also curious as to there was such a big opportunity for Jubei to have this huge souvenir because he oh, cuts yeah. his hand off and That's it's gold. Right. Yeah. And like he could have had this gold zombie hand, yeah. and that would have been so cool. I also something I noticed that I didn't really think about i guess back then is after kagera dies she gives her like it's, it's like a little pendant or something oh yeah her like hair piece yeah thing. yeah and jubei puts it around his head and he like headbutts the shit out of the guy it's with so that little brutal yeah with the the headband thing yeah it's pretty cool appropriate yeah it's like a way of her getting her exactly. revenge beyond the grave yeah that's so cool um, yeah it's like again in like this typical kind of shogun story vibe uh after they defeat the bad guy the jubei just kind of walks off in the sunset and that's like the end <laughs> so it's over yeah um it was cool again with dakuin and his cool like weird morality how he mentions like oh yeah if you uh come with me back to the empire like i'll pay you your gold and then when he's like nah fuck it i don't need it because we've already established he doesn't really seem to care that much he mm -hmm. just does what's right um Right away, Dokuman's like, ah, it's for the best. I would have killed you if you came back there. I would have just ambushed you. Yeah, that also tracks. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically, that's the story. It's like we said, pretty simple, mostly focused on the fighting. But uh, why don't we get into our final thoughts? Why don't you kick us off? What are your final thoughts after watching it? Well... I really liked it. I do wish that the essay scenes were a little bit cut down or, yep. you know, it was just a little, a, little too much. Um, but overall, I really liked all the character design. The landscapes were really cool. Very traditional yeah. Japanese uh, landscapes. There's really, really neat. For sure. Yeah. I also, there was a, a scene, a flashback scene to Gemma when he got beheaded, yeah. I think. The way they showed fire, like the lighting with the fire and everything mm -hmm. and how it flickered and changed the shadows, I thought that was really cool. I did want to mention that. Yeah, it's cool. I uh, I mean, like I kind of said in the beginning, it didn't hit the same way as an adult so many years later. It, it felt kind of bare bones. Um, but I still think, yeah, there is there is a vibe. There is like a something to this style uh, that's still resonates as simple as the story and everything is i thought the characters are still really cool like all the little devil uh antagonists are really cool jubei is kind of like a blank slate but he's just like a badass like ronin dude and of course uh kagero and dakuin are both uh really cool foils for him that keep the story moving so i still i'm not as hot on it as i was back then like, I, I honestly think Mermaid Scar resonated much more with me now, whereas this one, I feel like it's my interest has kind of declined over time. But I still thought it was super cool, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun to revisit. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I don't know if I'd want to watch it again. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I mean, if there was, like, 
a side story completely on the snake lady yeah, yeah. or like or Kagero, like I would totally watch that. Well, I was going to say, I think there was like a TV series they made much later. I have no idea what it's about. I don't know if it's like more like stories of Jubei going on adventures mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't even know if it's any good. I could look into that. But yeah, like I said, they never actually made the sequel um, just because it didn't it didn't pop off in Japan. Which is interesting, considering like it's all anecdotal, but I can say like 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 I said in the beginning, this was like the shit when I was a kid. So again, probably way too young again. Um, yeah, to probably. Be watching this, yeah, but <laughs> that's like most oh, things. On. Yeah, I mean my my childhood was shaped by uh, anime I shouldn't have been watching and American films like Alien and Predator and stuff that I shouldn't have been watching either. Yeah, I. So. I definitely wasn't in the the anime there like you were as a kid, but definitely shaped a lot of my childhood through watching horror movies I was not supposed to watch. Yeah, that too. But I guess that's it for this one. Um, So, so far we covered, from my childhood, we got Mermaid Scar and Ninja Scroll. And from yours, we have Spirited Away (laughs) and Sailor Moon R. Yeah. A little difference there, but it's fun to show this stuff to you and to see what you were watching because I'd never seen that Sailor Moon movie. Mm. But I think the plan now, we're going to go back to One Piece for a bit. And when we pick up Side Piece, we're actually going to focus in on some newer stuff, take a break from our childhoods, our nostalgia, and see what is really popping off like right now with all the like modern day weebs. Because I'm like, I'm so out of touch with that stuff. Well, I feel like we have to cover the Demon Slayer movie because that was just like... Yeah, that one feels a little like unfair though because it's I not really it, a standalone. Yeah, you know? I know, I know. But well, I mean, neither was Sailor Moon. That's true. But God, that movie is just so good. Yeah, I'm sure we could cover that too. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's all we got for this episode. So you can catch us next week. With uh, we're gonna go back to Logetown and finish up the East Blue saga. I'm just like crying and editing right now because yeah. we're so backed oh up. God. Oh God! I hope the internet comes back today. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, that would be nice. Um, yeah, why don't you plug our socials? Yeah, we're everywhere. We are at Straw Hat Social Club. You can find us like Threads, Tumblr, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. I'm not really posting on the TikTok much lately because um, I'm figuring some things out. But you can also email us at strawhatsocialclub at gmail.com if you have any movies that you want to recommend for us to talk about on Side Piece. Maybe talk about your experience with anime, you know, things like that. Just interested in hearing those stories. I would really love to hear, like, what people think is, like, like what what are the popular anime movies right now? Because I'm so out of touch with that, that I have a couple things lined up, but I'd really like to know, like, what are people watching right now? So anyone listening would love some recommendations. Mm -hmm. And if you just have any feedback or questions or something else you want us to cover or, you know, whatever. Of course. But yeah, as always, thank you for listening. We appreciate all of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can catch us next Thursday. Mm -hmm. I'm Todd. I'm Becca. And this has been Straw Hat Social Club. See you later.